All right, everybody. Welcome to Beer Culture with Malt and Hops. I'm Brew Hops. And I'm Barley Malt. Yeah, and um, for those of you who are listening that have listened before, um, we're really happy to be back. It's been, I don't know, how many years? 2009, I think, since the radio show was on. Yeah, so we're coming um, up on 10 years now. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty pretty crazy to put it uh, into that kind of a, a frame, I guess. It, yeah, I it guess. feels like it was yesterday. But I guess the fact that we're still going is a pretty good sign. We haven't given up oh. on hope on this yet, so... Well, no, there's always hope in beer, isn't there? Always. Yeah, so um, this is our first podcast that's really going out. So just to give everybody an idea, um, what uh, Barley and myself are going to try to do is really get some of you out there into the whole world of beer, the culture around it, some of the science around it, some of the innovation that's coming up. Um, So we're going to be talking about beers, we're going to be talking about tasting beer, but also we'll be talking about all types of the world that that's around it as well definitely we are super active we've what did we start our twitter on wednesday and yeah, we're already at, we're already at 23 followers that's a uh 2300% increase from where we were before yeah that's wonderful seems like we finally made it to the 21st century yeah i guess so eh <laughs> although i guess 2009 we were kind of already there it's true we were in the future yeah yeah and now we're still in the future always it's funny though it's interesting too so being on twitter um and for the last week and really trying to build this stuff up you have no i'm sure you do but there is an amazing number of beer bloggers and blogs and podcasts and everything that are out there it is absolutely nuts i've literally spent the last four or five days every time that i've got a a spare minute just going on and i'm like searching for beer and beer bloggers and um i think we we're following now on our blog or on our twitter we're following i think 200 people and half of them are uh um, half of them are beer bloggers. So I don't know how, how effective that is to get out to the masses because these people already know things about beer. But well, it's uh, okay. It's good yeah. conversation on our end, though. But it's good. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? We've got uh, like we got 23 people that are following us, and we got some good interaction with folks. Um, and even on, on Facebook, we had a really good... Uh, uh, really good post that I that I shared the other day about Starbucks now serving beer, which we'll talk about on another episode. Um, that's gotten a lot of interest. People are really interested in in the fact that the west coast of Canada is deciding to make Starbucks uh, a little bit more adult. Yeah, no, it's exciting and a lot more exciting news like that, right? Definitely. Yeah. All right. And speaking of beer news, um, I guess we can kind of roll into some of that. Yeah, let's Um, do it. So every week or every show that we're going to have, we're going to try to throw you a couple of different things that are going on in the world of beer. Um, So we'll begin with a little bit of a throwback to uh, the old radio show where Barley and myself would typically kind of delve into the whole brewing process and a little bit of really how beer worked and what it was. So um, I wanted to start this show off with a little bit of ales versus lagers and exactly what that meant. 
And on maltonhops.ca, um, Barley shared a wonderful little article about this topic and facts, so I encourage you to, to go and check that out. It's very well written, very good overview. Um, and the big thing is with these two worlds is that a lot of people, well, I mean, many people just enjoy beer. They don't worry about it too much. You kind of see it on the can. Well, what's that? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. Um, but really, those are these are the two big, I guess you call them, worlds of beer. They're two kind of, what did you say, like silos almost of types of beer that exist in the world. Yeah, that's true. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, and... It can get very confusing because some people try to distinguish it. While some are light and some are, you know, heavier beers. You know, ales have color. Lagers are kind of that blonde and clear kind of color. Um, and these things aren't necessarily wrong, but they're not entirely true either. And in a lot of ways, it's actually a lot simpler. Um, what it really boils down to in the end is just the way that the beer is produced and the way that it it's fermented right down to the level of the the yeast um so in really simple terms ales um are kept kind of at your room temperature typically um and lagers okay which goes to comes the lager comes from the lagering process which would to keep beer at colder temperatures, typically in caves or cellars. Um, and so in law, when beers are typically cooled when they're produced, um, this is called lagering, and it's where you get your lagers. Um, and the reason you need to do kind of both things, originally it boiled down to history. It was just kind of where you were in the world. Was it cold or was it warmer? Um, and that was what kind of yeast you would end up with. Um, so there's two big worlds of, of brewing yeast, ale yeast and lager yeast. What a surprise, right? Um, and what do you think the difference are between the two, Barley? I know you already know, but... <laughs> See, and you say that, but I mean, I uh, I tend to... I, the knowledge sort of goes in and goes out. I'm definitely one of those beer enjoyers that says, hmm, that's interesting to know, and then I completely forget. So I was, yeah. I was doing something the other day, and I had to go and, and sort of Google and, and try and remember what it was. So, uh, so um color me unawares what is the difference between the two of them all right well simply ale yeast is top fermenting what that means is and for any that doesn't don't know is that yeast is actually uh it's a it's a living kind of microbe it's it's a bacteria um single-celled organism that actually eats sugars and produces alcohol and we'll get into a bit of that in another show but ale yeast it likes to live on top of the of the beer and the liquid so it kind of floats around you know it kind of wades on top whereas lager yeasts are bottom fermenting so they like again talking about that colder temperature they're going to dive down into the bottom of the beer the bottom of the barrel or the bucket or the carboy whatever you're making it in and they like to kind of live down there same concept eating sugars and kind of pooping out alcohol it's they're just one of the greatest that was things a in the very world apt description <laughs> like that <laughs> solid i think that we should get that yeah. put on a t-shirt <laughs> yeah we should maybe maybe that'll be the first one here for the beer culture podcast so um so what that does is that ales typically have a more aromatic and fuller kind of 
flavor to them in a sense and a lot of times they tend to be heavier in the sense that you can get a lot more sediment kind of floating around in the beer now depending on what beer you're drinking a lot of beers get filtered whether they're ales or lagers as well so you may never really even notice that um, whereas lager because it's all down on the bottom and things um, and it's the cooler temperatures you typically get a cleaner and crisper beer um, in the product so that's why you kind of get that conception that that lagers are clear, kind of blonde beers. Uh, but the reality is you can have dark lagers as well, and that boils down to just the roast of the of the barley and the malting process. It's kind of like coffee in a sense where you can have like, you know, lighter roasts and darker roasts and things. Beer is in a lot of ways similar. Um, so, so that's how you can have dark lagers just like you can have dark ales and vice versa. Um, so in the end, I, I know I've rambled on a lot. I get kind of excited. Uh, but ale, top fermenting yeast, lager, bottom fermenting. Ales tend to be aromatic, fuller. You get more of the, the fruity scents and flavors. Whereas, uh, lager is a very clean, crisp flavor. Um, and really, which one's better in the world? I don't know. A lot of people have preferences. I really love lager, um, but ale. I'm, you know, I, I love beer, um, and in the end, that's all that really matters. Explore both worlds. I highly encourage that. <laughs> now, you know, it's interesting. It's funny. So, like, as you're talking, um, and and it's going in. I'm like, I want, like, I I Google because I was like, I want to give a good example of like, here's an ale and here's a lager that you would know. I didn't realize that there were hybrid beers. Had you ever heard of these? Like ones that like they like they were like kind of an ale but kind of a lager so like they fermented at an ale temperature but used lager yeast or vice versa yeah oh yeah, you, yeah there's a, a lot skill, of that coming around skill testing question for the entire audience who's out there and also you uh, uh brew what do you think if you could name one kind of uh one style i should say of beer that would be a considered a hybrid beer what would it be and I feel like at this point in the show, we should put in that Jeopardy, like, do, 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 do. All what right. style? What style? You have, like, so a like, lagered ale. <laughs> Very well said. Well done. Well done. I think that you win. I think you get, like, partial points. I feel like Alex Trebek is very upset right now because he can't say you're wrong. <laughs> well, he like, could. Oh. I didn't put it in the form of a question, Ooh, you know. True, like. true. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what so, would yeah. you, uh, what would you, um, so if there was one, so if there was like a, so let's, let's even get away from style. Let's just say there's a beer. It's a very popular beer. If you're a beer drinker, I guess, um, that you have probably had its rate probably in the liquor store next to Guinness. Do you know which kind of beer I'm talking about or which specific beer I'm talking about? I did not. You got me at a loss. Yeah, see, I didn't realize this either, and I'm interested when I'm looking at this. Uh, like Kilkenny, like cream ales. Cream ales are, uh, are, are, those, are, are considered hybrid beers, I guess. Now, I mean, this is based on, on my very um, cursed look at, uh, at, a, at a post by a blog, uh, The Thinking Person's Beer. Um, so, I mean, he could also be wrong. He's a blogger. But, uh, yeah, like basically he was listening. So cream ales, blonde ales, Kolsch alt beer. And then something called California Common, which I'd never heard of before. So, All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you have it. So, so there, are, there are some middle ground. If you're interested at, at just like you're a fence sitter and you can't decide whether you want ale or lager, just go for that cream ale. Yeah. Yeah. And so this was just a quick 
introduction to ales versus lagers and throughout the show as we talk about beer the this will be something that gets referenced a lot um, because regardless what style you have whether it's the hybrids we're describing whether it's something like a stout which is an ale or it's something like a pilsner which is in the lager world uh, or even a bock which falls in the lager world actually um, we're going to refer to that and try to to kind of put everything in its place in a sense so we we can get really into the culture of of what beer is true and we're going to learn together as we've just as we we've, we've just demonstrated we don't know everything it's a learning journey for us too actually we do know everything we're just trying to make you feel good <laughs> all right that's true i didn't want them to know but i figured i guess the first episode you got to be honest right and then we can lie as we get further in Awesome. That's exactly. a lot. That's some great learning. That's good. That was a nice refresher for me too. I did a brewery tour the other day where uh, she explained it, but I just feel every time that I hear it come from you, brew, I'm just like, I get it. It sticks in that. Yeah, well, it's good. That's better. how it used to be, right? Back in the school days. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so I guess it, it, does this mean that I'm up? We now know the difference between loggers and ale. Yeah, I think it's you, man. What All do you right. got for us? All right, so I've got so I have a, I have another skill testing question for you or the audience. We're not a call-in show this time around, so I don't know how well this is going to work. Considering well, we may incorporate that someday, maybe a Twitter <laughs> feed or something. We'll have there to go, go live. All right, so what what was one of the downfalls of? Uh, oh, or sorry, shouldn't say one of the downfalls. What was one of the drinks that? Uh, replaced beer as the most popular drink in the world replaced beer as the most popular drink in the world yeah so beer like like right historically it was super easy to make basically you throw some bread in water it has yeast show up on it and it becomes alcoholic but so what happened so at some point in history there was there was a drink that came along well a few drinks but one in particular that came along that that uh that just kind of replaced beer as on that pedestal of being really really popular no i want to say it's something like tea you're close you're close think tea but more caffeinated well yeah in general more caffeinated all right, we're not getting technical on this one. <laughs> we're not getting technical. No. <laughs> okay, good. Um, well, tea more caffeinated. Well, I'd have to think like coffee. Yes, coffee. The man gets it. All right, so so yeah, that so coffee. So coffee took over sort of as one of these more popular um, drinks. But I love that everything. I love that everything comes in cycles. Right. So like everything from the 60s is now popular again and and things sort of like are, are, are coming into into sort of waves of people being into them or not being into them. Um, and I think it's interesting now that uh, so coffee took away, took over beer, but now coffee is uh, is trying to get into the beer world. Um, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I I'm starting an idea, but why don't you why don't you just let it out, man? Yeah, all right. So so National Post, there's an article um, from earlier this year in January. Um, so there's, uh, um, I guess what's been getting a lot of news um, is uh, this Pico Brew. So it's a Kickstarter. They've got, they're on like their second one right now, and it's basically like a home brewing system. So like nobody really wants to wait the two weeks that you have or a month that you have to wait when you're brewing your own beer. So people want instant things. Like we live in a society of instant, instant beer, um, and instant everything. You can just go anywhere to get things. So, um, so 
PicoBrew came out and uh, very popular. A lot of people buying it. Uh, fairly expensive, but still people into it. Anyways, um, just as as it, as always happens in the world, when uh, when sort of the underdog tries to tries to to get above, when David tries to fight Goliath, Goliath fights back. So, um, this article in the National Post uh, was about a really awesome uh, partnership between Keurig, the that instant coffee maker, the little pods, and Anheuser Busch who, if you don't know when you're listening to this blog, they are one of, are they, is it just one right now, Brew? Have they all consolidated into one, or is it Anheuser-Busch and somebody else? Uh, as a brewery? No, yeah, it's like the big conglomerates that kind of own. Yeah, well, Anheuser-Busch is part of InBev, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was talks of them merging with Sab Miller. That's the um, one. And I know they're waiting for approval, and I haven't, uh, I haven't checked for any updates since that happened. So I think as far as the two companies go, they're pretty much game for this thing to happen. Um, but of course, with monopoly laws and rules, there's there's things that have to come together for these relationships to be forged in a sense um but i know it was quite big in the news because should they succeed in this or if they have already um be an update for another show they will be the biggest uh brewing company in the world and i don't know if that it may have even made them the largest kind of beverage company in the world as well probably yeah, so anyways, um, so Keurig, Anheuser-Busch, so um, Keurig, this massive name in the, in the instant coffee industry, Anheuser-Busch, obviously this massive name in the beer industry, um, have partnered and they've actually put together a 50-person um, R&D team, so a research and development team, to create a single-serve coffee brewing appliance um, that, uh, that would basically be the Keurig of beer. Um, and it's it's interesting because uh, they've got a lot of uh, they've got a lot of potential with this. I mean, when Pico Brew came out, um, it was an eight hundred dollar machine, um, and that is way out there for a lot of people that want to be able to brew. They were looking at doing uh, previous to this partnership. Um, Keurig had been looking at doing a single serve pop machine, so you could make your own pop, and they had it around the three hundred dollar price point. So even if they come in. Uh, above their their like single serve pop machine they're in at 500 bucks that makes it way more affordable um so so this is a really interesting partnership this is these are the two if you were going to have two players to be creating an instant beer um an instant beer system i want keurig and i want um i want inbev involved in this uh so i mean uh it's interesting though um because i mean a lot of people kind of would consider um the beer that uh, uh that anheuser-busch makes and so they're sort of um they're the owners of um like budweiser and corona so a lot of people kind of consider that to be already like the instant coffee of the beer world um, but uh and i mean that's not fair and that's not fair to say i mean the beers are good and and budweiser is a, is a good beer it hasn't survived this long um, without being that but anyways um um they're in a really good spot and and i'm really interested to see if they can come out i would love to be able to just have an instant beer that i don't have to go to the store to pick up i mean that being said i want to make sure that they would be able to do like a mix and match pack and i don't know if that's really what they'd be going for um but yeah really interesting really really cool i just wonder though you know like what's the real advantage i mean you buy a case of beer 
take the bottle, crack it open, you're ready to go. Whereas you have this machine you have to pop a little capsule into and wait for some process, and then you have your beer. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I agree. I think I feel like this is going to be right. We live in that instant society, so I just I have this feeling this is going to be a. Uh, um, you just think it's 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 gimmicky enough, I guess, but people are going to buy it or something well, or what? Do, do you remember <laughs> hearing about there was that like it was like a juice pod or something like that, and it made the news because it ended up just being like pureed food inside it. Like it was already the work was already done inside of the machine, and it was like this huge PR nightmare because it was just it was so simple that anybody could do it. And I mean, you're right. This is exactly the same thing. Do you really need to have a machine that sits on your counter and adds more space? that you stick a little container into that'll make you beer no because you can just no, go to the I mean, store and buy I and buy it too for the counter too you know exactly but i feel yeah. like i feel like what's <laughs> what it's going to do is it'll be for like those people that um either are like just already big fans of those of those uh of those two companies and they just really want to buy into it or they're they're just kind of the gimmicky i mean think of how many things like what is it those uh, like fidget spinners right now right oh yeah uh, and it's i mean just different. something new that you exactly. gotta get exactly so or I mean, it could if, be i don't know i mean maybe it's a shelf life thing i mean beer keeps for a very long time already but i imagine if you concentrate it down in a capsule somehow you could store tons of it on the shelf yeah. and if you're the casual beer drinker you could just load it up that way as well less space in a sense i mean we talk about counter space the case of beer versus a small box of beer capsules yeah, i agree um there could totally. be some advantages well, I just wonder as well, though. I mean, I know in the coffee world, essentially, you have coffee grounds in the capsule. You shoot hot water through it, and you get, uh, like, a brewed coffee. Um, I just wonder what's going to be in the capsule for a, a, a an instant beer. Because, I mean, I imagine some kind of... Because, I mean, it's not going to be just roasted barley in there, because you'll just have barley juice in a sense well i guess uh, i guess that that is actually what pico brew is doing so they basically have and this article actually touches on this it's it's essentially a big curing pod filled with hops and grains and they throw water through it and carbonate well, sure it. cool i get that but where's your alcohol coming from i that, and see that's the question right i have no idea and i'm sure they it's probably a very or is uh, there some other part of the pod where there's just kind of like grain alcohol in it or something that gets added into the process oh no but this is interesting so i'm just reading the rest of the article here the bottom of it actually touches on the different pico packs the process includes five days of fermentation so even there you're looking at five days of having to wait until you can get it so done. it's a five-day brew kit apparently yeah which is i mean okay because i just want to throw it out there to the whole world right now while the 23 people that are listening to our show um <laughs> Fermentation typically only takes, you know, six or seven days anyway. Yeah, and I mean, this is this isn't this pod, right? This is basically like this is the these pico packs for the pico brew. So maybe they've got. I'm sure their R and D team is going to be coming up with something that's a little bit more innovative. But I agree with you. I think I think I'm you're you're kind of right where I see this. It's kind of like curing pods, right? Like when you think about it, the concept of coffee, you take something dried, you pour boiling hot water over it, and you have coffee. Why do we actually need curing pods? Because people like convenience, like especially in the hospitality industry, it's a you can't just leave a, a, a can of coffee 
well, you could, right. but you, you don't. Like, they don't do it, right? No. So I feel like where this is going to be really successful, as a lot of things are, right, is it's going to be, um, sure, there'll be some consumers that buy it, but I feel like what will happen is any place that Keurig has a coffee maker in their hotel rooms, you're, which is a lot of hotels now, you're now going to see these um these keurig anheuser-busch partnerships which personally i actually think is awesome if you don't have to go down to the bar to grab a drink and pay seven dollars for a beer that you don't even want well that's the side of it too right you know but yeah so but on the other hand you can do that by buying beer in the case totally and i think that's the piece eh? is like you're gonna have these i feel like if they ever do come out with this which is a a huge question because a lot of these things disappear um, after the articles come out i feel like you're gonna have these two camps you're gonna have camp a that's very much like yes this is an awesome idea and then camp b that's like can't you walk or drive the five minutes away from your house to buy something that was potentially brewed locally or buy the same thing that you're gonna make in the in this like this uh um keurig partnership deal so right yeah so anyway the debate continues continues. uh we'll keep an eye on it if uh there's any new news well we're gonna we'll talk about it again on the podcast we will definitely um certainly up and coming in innovation in the in the beer world who knows what it could lead to definitely awesome that was great that was some great back and forth too i liked that brew yeah that's great maybe we'll keep that for the after show all right. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this is totally all staying in the show. Um, so now, this part of the show, when we're on the radio, we were uh, in school at that time, so there was a lot of beer tasting and sampling going on in our lives. Um, I don't know that that's actually ended, has it, Barley? Uh, no, I would say it's actually uh, it's actually gotten a little bit more refined now. Oh, I like that word, refined. That's what we'll call it. Very good. So anyway, every show we're going to try to bring you a couple of beers that we've had or that are favorites and we typically enjoy and just give you a sense of what they taste like, if they're worth going out and checking out. And again contact us if there's a beer that you've had you'd like us to try and talk about let us know we'll get it on the show all right so uh maybe i'll kick it off kick it off so the cool thing is uh the beer that i will be sharing with you today i've actually been enjoying a nice can of it through the entire show as is my tradition um so for all those out there, uh, I know that there's a lot of different cans in what's the best beer in the world, you know, um, and I don't know if I have the best beer in the world today, but I know when the uh, the discussion happens, you get kind of, you probably have seen a lot of this too, Barley, there's kind of your craft brew camps, yeah. there's kind of just your, your faithful standards, kind of big name breweries, and you know, it's a, it's a consistent flavor, and people like that. You get people that like all types of stuff in the middle, you know. It's always kind of, you know, what's better? What's the what's the trendy thing to be doing? You know, is something too expensive or is it too big name? Or, you know, or is this other stuff, you know, this craft brew, is it going to be consistent enough for me? It's always the big discussion. Would you agree? I would totally agree. And it's interesting you say that because I went on a brewery tour not too long ago and I asked them, I had this question for them. I said to the brewery, um, the, the tour guide, I said, how do you maintain consistency? You're like very new brewery. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, 
you know, she didn't really have an answer. Uh, and I'm sure there was an answer, and I'm sure the brewer would have known. But I feel like if you walked into a tour of like, and like if you walked into a tour of Molson Canadian or uh, or, or into like the Molson um, uh, Brewery in London or anywhere in the country, I guess um, they would be able to tell you like down to the minutia of like here is what we're looking oh, yeah. for in our beer, right? Because well, they're hiring incredible. So, anyways, yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's the advantage they have, right? And, yeah. you know, I hope the craft brewers, a lot of them do figure it out, and they start Definitely. marketing a very good, consistent product. Uh, I bring this debate up today. Um, it's probably something we'll explore again further, but I bring it up today because one of my favorite beers has become kind of a standard for me in a sense because it almost bridges the gap, in a sense, between two worlds, um, is Moosehead Lager. Okay, have you had this before, Barley? I have, yeah, and I remember, uh, I'm sure you're going to talk about it, so I won't sort of give it away, but I remember this is one of those beers that is a very unique, um, a unique, it's a, it's a unicorn in the beer world, hey? Uh, I guess of? you could call it a unicorn. I'm just a unicorn. I don't know about that. It's more a of a moose, hippo. really. Is it a house hippo of a, a house, yeah, fair <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where you're going with that at all. Um, but anyway, let me talk about this beer. Um, as I've mentioned before, I've always been on the search for good lager. Um, because one thing in the craft world, and you see it a lot, is they typically lean on ales. Um, I think it's because you don't need a lot of cooling technologies and refrigerators and fridges and things like that. Um, some of them are really starting to come around with, uh, with some of that as well, but I found it's sometimes very difficult to find kind of really good lager out there. So Moosehead's become a bit of a standard for me, kind of my everyday beer. And there's a couple of reasons why I really enjoy it. Uh, before I get into the flavor and the taste, it's just got a little bit of history. Um, and so it's as old as the country, essentially. So they were created, the, the brewery uh, was created in 1867. Um, so they are also celebrating their 150 years of kind of being around. Um, and it all started when... A woman named Susanna Olin moved over from England to Nova Scotia um, and opened up essentially a brewery and pub called the Army and Navy Brewery in 1867. Um, now, throughout their history, it stayed with this family. Um, they even survived kind of the, the Halifax explosion in 1917, um, where the eldest member of the family or the owner was killed and the brewery was destroyed. Um, and this is where they end up essentially keeping the business, but moving to St. John, New Brunswick, where the, the, the brewery still exists today. Um, so they're just kind of, uh, I mean, they're of the ultimate Canadian beer in a sense. And the cool thing is, is that they haven't been bought out or taken over by any of the, the large brewing conglomerates like InBev and things like this that we talk talk about or Molson's and Labatt's and stuff in, in Canada. Um, they are, uh, they're still an independent company run by the, 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 the Olin family. Um, and they produce Moosehead Lager, which is kind of their, their flagship beer in a sense. And they're also the producers of a lot of, they brew a lot of, under license, they brew a lot of American beers for market in, in Canada as well. Things like a big name would be Sam Adams. Um, and that was something I just found out in doing a little bit of reading about this this beer um 
but I just love that. It's independent, it's Canadian, and it tastes really, really good. And it's just your classic, It's they call it a Canadian lager, but it's really the, the classic lager taste. It's crisp, it's clean, and it's got a nice, multi, kind of barley, sweet flavor, and a very light, hoppy bitterness. So you get the best of both worlds. It's nice and crisp. It's refreshing, um, and you can get it everywhere. In fact, when you go out to New Brunswick, I mean, they sell this stuff in all types of different cases, like 15 packs, 30 packs, 28s, like 12. I think they have eight packs. It's just all types of different varieties of how you can get this beer as well. Um, but as far as it goes, it's consistent, clean, crisp, enjoyable, Canadian, and this is why I get so happy about it, and I really try to promote it with, with other people, um, because you could truly say that, you know, this is something that, that was founded with the country, and you can get really patriotic about your beer and your country, and it's it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So, um, Just as a side note as well, and a lot of not a lot, but some of your really big name breweries in the world, and I won't get into naming a whole lot of them, but um, they start to produce their own kind of malting processes and things, um, but they also start to produce their own yeasts, and Moosehead actually has their own lager yeast that they produced and they used, and that helps to keep it very consistent as well. Um, and in fact, something that will be on the blog is they've actually got an entire kind of beer academy which teaches a lot of what all this stuff is as well so so it's kind of interesting that's awesome awesome i'm actually live yeah, tweeting great. that we are finally recording and that we're doing that there's a review of moosehead lager that's going on that's phenomenal yeah so i mean if i had to say i mean it is a very well-rounded every man everyday beer kind of thing um and it's it's good. It's consistent. That's basically what it boils down to. And when you drink it, it's got that nice crisp, crisp flavor. And there's no, like, lingering aftertaste or anything. It's just that nice little bit of hot bitterness, and you're ready for your next sip. So it, it's wonderful. That's awesome. That's a great review. That's a hard act to follow, actually. Well, I try my best. Awesome. It's good. Now I'm just waiting. Hopefully Moosehead Lager will reply to that and say when's it, when's the podcast going to come out. Um, yeah. yeah, that was great. That was a great review. Um, yeah, it's good. I can't get Moosehead out here, actually. They don't sell it out on the west coast of Canada. No, no. They oh, are, that's too uh, bad. Well, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get in touch with them and get it out there. Definitely. Well, I'm sure you can probably find it somewhere, but uh, yeah, they're, they're loving their microbrews. Which is my perfect segue into my beer review for today, which is an awesome, uh, an awesome brew from a local brewery from out here on the west coast. Um, nobody's probably ever heard of them. That's gonna, well, that's not true. Somebody will have heard of them. Um, Parallel Forty Nine Brewing Company. Have you heard of them at all before? I have. Okay, awesome. From, you have spoken very post. highly of them, in fact. Yeah, it's funny because their first beer that I ever tried was a uh, was a um, 
I had an octopus on the bottle, and it was uh, it was like a it, they they were advertising it as a sour beer, and it was it was some fruit like apricot. Yeah, it was an apricot beer, and uh, I remember bringing it home and looking at the bottle, and and uh, and my wife told me that she thought I was crazy for buying this, and she even tried it and said, "Hey, that's not too bad," and it was really good. And so I'm always surprised that they sort of any time that that parallel forty nine sells a beer as being like this is crazy you know it's going to be good which i kind of love about them um yeah so uh i guess going right into it so the beer um that i tried and this is a few weeks ago now um and i'm going to be honest with you i bought this um brew because of the name i didn't have any idea what it was about but it had a really cool label and i thought the name there must have been a story behind it so it's um it's called 187 on an undercover hop 187 on undercover hop yeah which i didn't like literally until i was like writing the review that i put on the blog um at maltonhops.ca uh i i didn't have any idea what what it was referring to but it's actually <laughs> it's from like a it's from like a, a i think it's like a 90s co- collaboration between dr dre and snoop dogg so there's a rap song called 187 on an undercover cop um, okay. and, and the picture that's on the bottle is base is basically like their recreation of the cover of the album for Dr. Dre, where it was hosted on. Um, and not that, that means anything to anybody that's listening to this, but I mean, if you're a rap fan and you're looking for a, uh, um, for a really cool beer to have and you're on the West coast, then this is definitely, um, a beer that I would recommend you try. Uh, yeah. So, and it's funny because so obviously hops on the bottle. So what, what would you expect if you see a hop on the bottle? Brew? Uh, well, hoppy beer. Oh yeah. Super hoppy beer. Right. So this like has a hop on the bottle. Um, it's an Imperial IPA, which basically doesn't exist in the world of beer. It's just like a strong pale ale. Um, but IPAs are like everybody that's doing IPAs right now are doing them incredibly hoppy. So um, take it a guess. Throw a number out there for me um, if you can guess what the IBUs on this was. Um, would it be 187? <laughs> <laughs> it would. It's almost like you've read the no. blog. Uh, yeah, it's 187. Ooh. Like this is a crazy IBU. Like this is one of those beers that you expect to drink, and then your mouth just compresses on itself, like turns into the biggest pucker that you've ever made. Um, <laughs> but it, like I gotta admit, like I had another beer, and it's another review that's gonna go up on the site. Um, that was not sold as being super hoppy, and like you almost couldn't get through it uh but this was really good um yeah so and i mean like everything that i've had from parallel 49 is really good but it was is very underrated um so uh yeah it was like you definitely knew that there were hops there it was it was definitely like a good sort of pale ale taste that you're looking for um but it wasn't one of those you sort of you drink one and then it punches you in the face with hops and says you need to love bitter to drink this beer it was like very smooth and and I'm a bad beer reviewer because I went and looked at what other people were saying about this to just make sure that I was kind of like on the right track with things. Uh, and a lot of other people were saying exactly the same thing about this beer. It has a very floral taste. Like it's very fruity hops. Like a lot of, so they used that uh, like Chinook and Simcoe and Citra and Mosaic hops. And not that any of that matters to people that may be listening to this, um, this podcast, but, uh, but all of those are very sweet hops. So it has kind of like a fruity, grapefruity taste to it. It's very kind of sweet. And then it's got that little bit of hops that's there. Mm. I liked it because 
it kind of reminded me of the things that I enjoy in a, um, in like a wheat beer, like a really kind of like citrusy wheat beer, but without all that kind of like cloyingness that's in there. Um, so yeah, so, so I mean, no super bitter flavor, good solid beer, um, that I, I kind of got notes of molasses in there when I was drinking. So it kind of had like a little bit of smoky molassesiness to it, which worked really well. I, strangely enough, worked really well with the fruit and that kind of weird bitter, um, I totally buy it again. I don't know. I don't know. I'm one of these people that like until I find something that I really enjoy, I, I won't go back to it. But I've already kind of got that with um, with with Parallel 49. I have a beer that like I have all the time and is always consistently good. So um, def- but definitely something for like good summer beer. Um, I, I can't couldn't find it. They didn't have it listed on their site, but definitely good. And like at it's like six Fifty, like so, like a bomber size, and it's like under five bucks. So definitely a worthwhile yeah. buy. Well, for that's sure. good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh and good. then I guess. Oh, Sounds and then I guess good. my. I'm uh, take... No, go ahead. Go ahead, Bruce. Uh, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna have to take a look, see if I can find some of that. They probably don't have it out this way. They might. I mean, these guys are parallel forty nine is getting pretty good. Um, so I I give it an overall pint rating, uh, which I have defined as my current rating system of three pints out of five. Uh, those pints, uh, one pint is not bad because it means that I would still have a pint of it. Um, and five pints is probably really bad because it means that I would have too many pints of it. Um, but yeah, like three pints, like good solid beer, some nice curb appeal, fairly original, but I mean, I did, certainly didn't drink it and say like, wow, this is the best, like, this is the most unique thing I've ever had, but definitely a good solid taste. So something for people oh, to try. Good. Yeah. Right. Very good. Well, yeah, we'll have to see. It might be worth a trip out your way. Uh, <laughs> and just to put that out there, in case some of you are confused, um, when the radio show first began, of course, uh, Brew or Barley and myself um, were together in Peterborough, Ontario, um, and now we're actually living across the country. Um, I'm currently in Owen Sound, and he's in Victoria, BC. Um, so, so we're doing this podcast from, you know, what I don't know, I don't know how far it is, but it's a it's, lo- like, it's a long way. It's about four thousand kilometers, so it's nice. We're getting like some really Ontario and BC are like the these hubs of the of the unique beers right now. So it's a really it's it's the best places to be in the country, I would say. Yeah, we've yeah we've essentially two places at once, one yeah. show. It's great, definitely. Um, so, well, uh, with that, uh, I don't know, Bart, do you have anything else to add before we, we call it a night? No, uh, I think it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. We're back on the air. We're excited to get some more of the pot, these podcasts out there. We're going to be throwing this up on, uh, on SoundCloud, I think. Um, so definitely comment on SoundCloud. We'll have it on the website. We're going to throw up the links to all this on Twitter and Facebook. So, um, obviously if you're listening to this right now at this point, you have found us. Um, but, uh, we're going to keep doing the same kind of thing. We're going to keep these, uh, podcasts going out and let us know what you'd like to hear about. And we'll definitely, uh, we'll try do our best to make it happen. Yeah, no, it's great. So, uh, we'll get that all to you. Uh, and I think with that, uh, we'll, we'll send you off. So just for everybody out there, remember that beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. Please drink responsibly.